Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. The advertisement says you're in good hands with Allstate. And they all the time are asking, are you covered? Nothing covers us like the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am so glad I'm covered. How about you? Amen. I just somehow believe today that if you are needing anything from the Lord, I believe his presence has filled this house so strong and so thoroughly. I believe that all you have to do is like the songwriter said, reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your hearts cry. Amen. Amen. Uh, you may be seated for the time. Uh, we are absolutely honored to have Bishop Mike White and his dear wife, Sandra with us. And um, I had not had the privilege of knowing them prior to doing a meeting up in New England. And they treated us wonderfully. They treated Jackie and I so good. And we have been partners with Northern New England for years now. And we're so grateful for the work. When we get to go up there, we get to see um, some of the things that we've been instrumental in helping. And uh, you have done that faithfully for many years. In fact, uh, our church has been blessed. Ever since we've started helping Northern New England, the finances of this church went up. How many of you know you can't outgive God? Amen. Amen. Bishop White has had a, a, a wonderful career and, and has served the Church of God in many ways, but presently is serving as the Bishop of Northern New England. And I think that you're going to find that he is just a down-to-earth person. When we were, and I love that about he and his wife, it was so comfortable being around them. They made us feel like that we had known them for years and we had just met them. I already know what he's going to preach about. And I tell you what, while the choir was singing, I was thinking, boy, Bishop, you're getting primed, I'm sure, ready to preach what God has given you. I want you to give a wonderful Bethesda Church of God, Sumter, South Carolina, welcome to Bishop White and his dear wife, Sandra. God bless you. Welcome them. You take your liberty. You take your liberty. Good morning. Well, the only thing I hate is that it's taken me so long to get here. I'll tell you, this is, uh, this is wonderful. I was thinking just a moment ago that if I were a lay person, a church attender, I could be real comfortable right here. I love this church, my goodness. You drive up and it's impressive. You come in and it's impressive. But what really touches my heart and what I believe touches the heart of God is the way that you are worshiping, the way that this choir and this praise team worships and lifts up the name of the Lord. It just sets this place apart. Where we're living now in northern New England, you don't find choirs. And so, my goodness, I was starving to hear a choir, and what a choir it is. Thank you so very much. 
We're happy to have good praise teams, much less a choir. So this has blessed me. And I was talking to uh, your state bishop, Bishop Rabin, this morning on the way in, and he was bragging on you, by the way, uh, he and Wanda, and about the music that you lead here and bragging about this church. And so, hey, you guys are known and greatly respected. As I was coming in this morning, I couldn't help but feel like, man, I feel like I'm going home, passing the Air Force Base and realize I'm in military country. I was, uh, I was raised in Fayetteville. So I'm a Fort Bragg brat and uh, Pope Air Force Base. And uh, you know, it felt good coming in. It felt kind of like home. So it's, it's good to be with you today. I could say so very much and I'm gonna have to kind of watch it or I'll visit a little bit too long. But I've got to say a thank you to uh, Bishop Sims and to First Lady Jackie. What a wonderful pastoral couple they are. I thank God for their leadership. And I thank God for their servanthood in the kingdom because they are truly servants of the Most High God. They understand that the word leader should never be used unless it is preceded by the word servant. And they exemplify servant leadership and I'm deeply appreciative. We had them with us back this summer at our camp meeting. And uh, hey, I didn't know what to expect. I'd heard of uh, Al Sims. I'd heard he was a tremendous preacher. But I wanted to bring him in and have him speak to our people because they spoke so highly of him. And um, you guys have been so faithful to support Northern New England. And uh, when he got there, began to speak, ministering from his heart, the pure word of God. He connected with our people. He connected with me. And I'm going to tell you, I, I don't have a lot of years uh, there to, to talk about, but I'm told by the people that's been there a lot of years that this was probably the best camp meeting this past summer that they can remember. And a great part of that is because of the ministry of your pastor. Would you give him a hand of appreciation? Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? And if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to read with me this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read two verses of Scripture there. Now, if I'm looking at you squinting, it's because I feel like I'm preaching into a train. Because these lights are bright, and I feel like that you know, I might get run over here in a minute. But uh, maybe my eyes will get adjusted here in a second, and uh, I'll be able to look at you real good. But I have two verses of Scripture that I want to bring to you today. And I... I'm, I'm kind of an expository preaching. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit, then I'm going to look at this verse, these verses of Scripture very closely. But I want to talk to you this morning about victory in Jesus. How many of you know that you have victory in Jesus? Amen. Amen. Let's look at the Word of God together, beginning at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. The Word said, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus in worship and adoration. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand before this church family today to preach the word, and I ask you, Father, 
that you would allow me to preach in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost, that, Lord, the things which I've read, the things I've studied, the things I've learned would be active in my mind, and, Lord, that they would proceed fluently from my lips. And, Father, I pray that every hearer today have a heart to receive the Word of God with meekness. I ask you, Father, that in the coming moments of the Holy Spirit would touch me and touch this body and that the word and the spirit would work together to the changing of lives i pray today that the preached word would be a seed sown upon a prepared ground that indeed there would be a harvest not just today but in the days the weeks the months and the years to come father i pray now that i would speak as the spirit gives the unction in jesus name i pray amen would you say praise the lord, praise the lord. you may be seated well, I've got to do it. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Would you give the Lord a clap offer to praise? You just don't know how happy I was this morning that you started singing some hymn songs. You know, I thank God for precious you know praise and worship music that we do i thank god when i walk in and hear choir sing brooklyn tab or christ church it blesses me at my last pastorate we sang brooklyn tab and i absolutely loved it and and just thank god for it but every once in a while i just want to hear something from the hymn book you know, I was raised in the church. Somebody said, uh, I've, I've got more chewing gum under Church of God benches than Carter's got little liver pills, you know. And uh, that's just the way I was raised. And I was raised on good old-fashioned preaching, and I was raised on the hymn book. And I'm going to tell you something. I knew as a boy before I could even read that I had victory in Jesus before I could even exegete the scripture, I knew that I had victory in Jesus because I learned to sing that song from my mother's knee and it just blessed me. And, and I thank God for that hymnology that we grew up with because it helped inform my theology even when I was a boy. Now I can read, now I can study. But I knew a lot about victory before I could even read because we sung that precious song. Well, I take you this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in those verses of scripture, Paul is given a defense for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to teach in those verses of scripture that we who are in Christ Jesus, that we, are, we also shall be raised from the dead. 
The book of Thessalonians puts it like this, that at the last trump, for the trump of God shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And so we know that there is a resurrection from the dead. But at the conclusion of our text in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul goes on to say that our shared resurrection with Christ is our victory. Now we live in a day where that sometimes you have to understand, you have to explain what that means. We've got a lot of people in the church world today that weren't raised as I was raised. And when I say I've got the victory, they don't really understand what I'm talking about. But when I say I've got the victory, it means that I have victory over sin. It means that I have victory over death. It means that I have victory over hell. I have victory over sin and sickness and the grave. It means I have victory over the world. It means I have victory over naysayers and backbiters and haters. That through Jesus Christ, I have the victory and I am living in that victory. You see... What we need to grasp here today as believers in Jesus Christ is that this victory in Jesus, it is not something that we are waiting to enjoy. It is not something that is prepared for a, a day in the future. But we are now, as born-again believers, living in victory from day to day. Now, having pastored for 25 years, I've pastored a lot of God's people I pastored some of the devils too. That's why I turned grace so early. I'm really very young. But for 25 years, I pastored and I pastored some people that acted as if they didn't understand that they were living from the position of victory because it never seemed to affect their faith. It never seemed to affect the way they talked, the way they looked, the way they walked. It seems that so many of them walked around defeated. And they needed to understand that theirs is not a defeated life. Theirs is a victorious life. And they kind of reminded me of, of, of Isaiah, you know, before he was touched with a coal from heaven's altar. Because when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he knew what was taking place in the earth and he saw himself, his attitude was, woe is me. And we've got a lot of those woe is me people living in the church. Christians that don't understand that their life is not woe is me, but they need to understand that theirs is a life of victory. We've got some people in the church, they kind of remind me of two cartoon characters. Now, I have raised three children and I've got grandchildren now, so it's not unusual that I would talk to you about Winnie the Pooh in a sermon. But I remember that one time Winnie the Pooh, and this was one of the cartoons that Winnie the Pooh ran into his friend Eeyore. And Pooh asked Eeyore, he said, lovely day, isn't it? And Eeyore replied, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. That reminds me of some folks in the church. Some folks in the church kind of remind me of the cartoon character Droopy. Anybody remember Droopy? You know, back when cartoons were fun. And Droopy, it didn't matter what was going on in his life, how, what kind of victory he won. His best friend loved him. He, he got a bunch of money. He, you know, he beat the bad guy, whatever it was. At the end of the cartoon, here's Droopy with his sad sack face. And guess what, folks? I'm happy. <laughs> Reminds me of a lot of people in the church today. They kind of remind me of the algebra teacher I had in the seventh grade. My wife gets nervous when I talk about her. 
I'm not going to tell you her name, Miss Glenn, but uh, hopefully she's not family of yours. But I remember, listen, if that woman's in heaven, I hope she's not next door to me because it won't be heaven to me if she is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I remember getting ready to walk in her class one morning and she looked kind of like a mole rat. And uh, she had her glasses perched down on her nose like that, just watching everybody come in the room. And as I walked in, I said, good morning, Miss Glenn. She said, is it? You know, anybody ever met somebody like that? Are you sitting beside somebody like that? Don't, don't raise your hand if you are. You know, there's some folks in the church that just come across as if they're really defeated and miserable. You know what? There's some folks that have some reasons to feel like life's been tough. There are some folks that have been through some miserable, tough circumstances and I want to be careful that I don't play that down because people that come to church do have baggage that they carry. People that come to church do have wounds. People that come to church do have pain. People in the church do have stuff in their background that were it not for the overcoming work of Jesus Christ would have crushed them. So we never want to make light of the pain and the circumstances that people are going through. But what I want everyone to understand, regardless of what you're going through today, regardless of the baggage, regardless of the pain that you may be going through, regardless of the loss that you may have experienced, I want you to understand that you've not got to fight through your stuff to get to victory. You don't have to overcome your stuff to get to victory. I want you to understand that when you came into Jesus Christ, regardless of what your baggage was, regardless of what you've been through, that you you are living right now from a position of victory. Would you say amen? But here's what we need to understand, and I think most of us get it, is this. Although we are living our lives from the position of victory, it doesn't mean that we will not go through a perfectly peaceful life. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be wonderful in our lives. It seems that some days we're on the mountain, and it seems that some days that we are walking through the valley, and sometimes we're just right there in the middle. But Jesus never taught us as believers that we were living in a placebo and that everything was going to be wonderful. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation and sadly that's where a lot of people stop reading that verse well the Bible said I'm going to have tribulation and I'm going through tribulation but if you stop right there you miss the victory Jesus said in the world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world and we need to get that into our hearts Jesus could have stopped at in the world, you shall have tribulation. But no, he wanted to reference. He wanted to give us insight that when we walk in him, our life is not measured by tribulation, but our life is measure, measured by victory that we have in him. I understand that the Lord makes it rain upon the just and the unjust alike. But the fact of his victory, listen, the fact of his victory and the fact that you are abiding in him,
has given you a more than character in your life. It has given you a greater than character in your life. For the word of God said, more, you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. The word said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have a more than and a greater than quality in your life because you are walking in Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? So isn't that the perspective from which we should live when we're facing hardships? Isn't that the perspective from which we should live when we may be going through a time of loss, when we're going through a time of sickness or suffering, when we're going through a painful time in our lives? Should we not face it from the perspective that we are already more than conquerors? Should we not face it from the perspective that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world? And we may not feel like we're winning now, but we're winning. I'm reminded in the Old Testament, and I have to be careful sometimes because I tend to be a little Old Testament preacher. You know, a lot of judgment. I've got to be careful about that sometimes. But I remember in, in the Word of God, in, in the Old Testament, the story of a man by the name of Jehoshaphat, who was king over Judah. And Jehoshaphat was about to send the armies of Judah into battle against Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. And they were preparing the armies. They were getting their swords and their spears together. They were getting their shields ready for battle. They, would, they had polished up all, all the brass and the commanders were in place. The generals were in place and they were ready to go into battle, ready to go on the attack. But before they did, Jehoshaphat stopped everything. And he said, where's the choir? And he assembled the choir ahead of the armies. And before the armies could go out onto the battlefield, the choir went before them. And the word of God tells us that as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. I'm gonna tell you what. By nature, I'm a fighter. I'm not afraid of a good fight. If I've got a fight, the fight of faith, I don't mind it. I'm a fighter by nature. But I've got news for you before I bring out the sword and the shield. I like to sing something like a mighty fortress is my God. I want to sing a praise of adoration. And what I find is when I begin to praise God in the middle of the hardship, I can put the sword back in its sheath. I can put the shield away because I know that the Lord is fighting my battle. Would you say amen? Thank God for Judah that began to praise the Lord. Yeah, we're gonna have to fight the fight of faith against our enemies. But let's go into every battle. Let's go into every crisis knowing that the battle is the Lord's and we are already victorious. Can I tell you something? You don't have to fight any battle in your life in your own strength. As a matter of fact, you don't, you're not even responsible for the victory that is going to be won. Sometimes you just need to put a praise of God upon your lips. Maybe, 
Maybe some of you, when you're going through battles, you could put the praise of Psalm 89 and 8 on your lips where you could say, I praise you, God, because who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. That's a wonderful way to go into battle. How about a praise from Isaiah 9 and 6, where you could say, I praise you, God, my wonderful counselor. You're going to tell me what I need to know. You're my mighty God. There is no God like you. You're the everlasting Father from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You're the prince of peace you're going to keep my mind in peace I'm not going to lose my mind because of this maybe you ought to borrow praise from Psalm 77 14 where you might say I praise you God for you are the God who performs miracles does anybody need a miracle you display your power among all the peoples maybe you need to borrow praise from Psalm 75 where you would say I praise you God for though I am poor and needy you are my help and my deliverer I want you to know there's a better way to face the battles in life than the way most people face them. Oh yeah, you say, well, the battle before me, it looks big. The foe before me is stronger than I. The foe lives behind a well-fortified fortress. How am I going to beat this foe? How am I going to overcome this obstacle? How am I going to beat back this problem in my life? Let me tell you something. You don't have to worry about that. Can I tell you the wall's already destined to fall? It may not have fallen yet, but the word is already spoken. The word is destined to fall. God might speak to you as he did Joshua and he might say listen I want you to walk around this city every day for six days let the priests carry the ark upon their shoulders and I just want you to walk around let them know you're there let them see who you are he said but on the seventh day you're to march around it seven times and on the seventh time you're to blow the trumpets and you're to give a mighty shout and when they did the walls fell in I want to encourage the body of Christ today that when an obstacle is before you keep marching around that obstacle because it's destined to fall when it's time to give a shout give a shout because the battle is the Lord's some of you say well you don't know I, I've been in this place a long time I've been in this endless holding pattern it just seems like I'm in chains <laughs> it just seems like I'm in bondage it just seems like I can't shake out of this. You know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with both ends knocked out of it. It just seems to go on and on. And we've got people that seem like they've been in that rut for a long time. They're just chained. They're just shackled by what's going on. But I've got news for you. The chains and the shackles, they are already destined by Almighty God to be broken. You might feel like you're wearing them for a while and you might have to do what Paul and Silas did and that is at the midnight hour when all seems hopeless and it's at its worst. Just begin to sing and give praises to God and the chains and the shackles because they will fall. They are destined to fall. Would you say amen? amen? So, instead of looking at the problems and the battles and the crisis and cursing the darkness, 
wouldn't it be better for us just to live praising the light, realizing that we are already destined to win? Well, I want to take you back to that verse of Scripture. And there are some words that I want to pull out of that Scripture, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you got your Bible out, if you're taking notes, I want you to pay close attention to, to these sets of words together. We're going to look at the word victory. And then I'm going to talk about God gives. I'm not going to talk long about each one of them. I know I'm already long-winded. We want to talk about through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to circle back to that word gives again. But when we begin to talk about victory, victory means that you overcame. Victory means that you endured. Victory means that you succeeded, that you prevailed. It means that you won. But I want to remind you again, it's not just a past victory. All of us have past victories. It's not just a future victory when we see Jesus face to face. But it is a today victory. It's a present victory. You can say, I am winning. I am overcoming. I am prevailing even today. When it feels like things are going in reverse in my life, still through Jesus, my victory is secured. Now, don't raise your hands on this one. I don't want you to tell on yourself. But how many of you need the victory, but you just don't see victory in your life just yet? I have a feeling I'm talking to a couple of hundred people maybe. Jesus, in John 20, 29, put a principle into place. When he said these words, he put a principle into place that we need to hold on to because he said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I've not seen the victory yet, but I believe it's there. I don't feel the victory yet, but I know that it's there. You see, it's not just hyperbole for the believer to say I'm winning when it's obvious they got knocked down. It's a simply speaking the word of God in faith. The word of God said now faith is the substance, something that you can get your hands on, the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence, it is the fact, it is that which is tangible of things that are not seen. And I want you to understand that even though you don't see it yet, it's there. Even though you don't feel it yet, it is there. And it is guaranteed through Jesus Christ. We have the word of God that tells us for all the promises of God in him are yes and they are amen to the glory of God through us and that means that we are the living testimony that God keeps his promises it's the living testimony that we are victorious in Jesus Christ as I told you I pastored 25 years I evangelized four years full time before that I pastored 25 years I've been in this administrative work now for just over nine years and I can tell you there's nothing about ministry that's easy. <laughs> it's not what people think it is. But I've been in positions where it looked and it felt like defeat. 
I've been in positions where the stress and the strain was so hard. I really was looking in, in, in my heart and my mind, God, would you please release me? Would you let me go do something else? And if I had done something else, my wife would have prayed as she packed because she would have been glad to have gotten away from it. But I want to tell you upon experience, thank God we are not bound to what we see. Thank God we are not bound by what we feel because we are liberated by what we know in Christ Jesus. We live in a world today that tries to tell us that feeling is more important than fact. The way you feel about it is more important than the fact. But I want to tell you when it comes to this walk in Jesus Christ, the fact is more important than the sight and the fact is more important than the feeling. I want you to understand, here's the way we look at it. This is why we practice the mind of Christ. We must let our mind, which is informed by our faith, which is informed by the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must let what we know inform what we see and inform what we feel that we are victorious through Jesus Christ and that the battle is already won. Would you say amen? Why don't you give the Lord a clap off and a praise in this house? Paul, while he was a prisoner in Rome, where he ultimately died, was thankful and good spirits even while he was in prison. Why? It's because while he was there, he saw the kingdom of God being advanced. Every day he was ministering to the Praetorian guards who would have had no opportunity to hear the gospel except they had to guard him. He was being told of those sons and daughters of the faith that while he was in prison, they were rising up and they were carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ further than any man ever could. And so even while he was in prison, he was in good spirits. You look at me and say, yeah, but he died. How's it victorious? He, he died. Well, to which I would just take you. Back to the words of Paul himself in Philippians 1.21, where he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And my brothers and my sisters, when we have that kind of outlook, if I live, I'm victorious. And if I die victorious, I want you to understand that's game, it's set, it's match. You cannot lose, you cannot be defeated, but you've got the devil on the run when he realizes there's nothing I can do to dissuade that child of God. Victory. But then we read the words, God gives. God gives. It is the plan of God that you are victorious. We don't have to earn the victory because victory is a product of our salvation, which is a gift of God's grace. Some of us don't get salvation with victory and others of us get salvation with defeat. Did you get that? If you're saved, you get victory, not defeat. It is God's plan that we have the victory through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. I meet people in the church from time to time that, that 
They act like they're the black sheep of the family. They act as if they're outsiders to the family. You know, all of us have got some family we wish would stay outside. I digress. Some walk about acting as if God loves others more than he loves them. Now, for some reason, God loved them enough to save them, but he's still carrying a grudge against them because of what they were before they got saved. They act as if God's just withholding something of himself from them. But I want to impress upon every one of you today that God loves you and that God is no respecter of persons. That means that there's no partiality on the part of God among his children. There's no favoritism on the part of God among his children. There's no insiders and outsiders. There's no clique. There's no black. There's no white. There's no citizen. There's no foreigner. God is love. And because God loves you, God gives. You need to get that in your spirit. God's a giver. God's not a taker. Now, there's been some things God's taken from me, so let me explain that. But for God to take things from me, I had to open my hand and release them because he's not going to force anything out of my hand. So when I open my hand, God would take it. The problem why so many people in the church can be miserable and feel like God's a taker and they're mad with God is because maybe they opened their hand and said, God, you can take it. But they didn't open their heart and release it in their heart. I'll tell you something, it all begins with the heart. I don't want in my heart, I don't want to hold on to anything that God wants to take out of my hand. If God wants it out of my hand, I want to get rid of it from my heart and release it from my hand knowing this, that when God takes something out of my hand, it's because God has something greater to put in my hand because God is a giver, he's not a taker. I need to talk about this right here just a minute. Just, just, just a minute here. I need, to, I need to hit this. Thank God for the way y'all worship today because it allows me to preach what I'm about to say and not get in trouble. I don't have to run out of here hoping nobody catches me. <laughs> I am so sick and tired of going to churches and watching praise leaders or watching them on TV, praise leaders, literally trying to beat the praise out of people. You gotta jump, you gotta spin, you gotta hip hop, you gotta run, you gotta twist, you gotta twirl, you gotta do spins, come on. You're not saying it loud enough. You need to shout louder, you need to clap loud. Let me tell you something. God is not a taker and every praise and worship leader in the church of God and throughout the world needs to know you can't beat people into praise because if you beat them to saying praise the Lord, God didn't even take that praise the Lord because he not want, doesn't want anything that that's forced out of you. God wants you to release it and give it to him. God is not a taker. God is a giver. 
Psalm 84, 11 said, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. James 1, 17 said, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Second Peter 1 and 3 says, He has already given us everything we need to live a godly life. God has given it. Well, I can't think of anything that God's really given me lately. Let me help you. He has given you the gift of a savior because you could not save yourself. He has given you the gift of love even when you were an enemy of God. He's given you the gift of grace because you could not earn salvation. He's given you the gift of peace to keep your mind in a time of chaos. He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit to seal you into the family of God. He's given you the baptism and the Holy Ghost to empower you. He's given you the gift of a brand new life because let's face it, that first life you were living, you made a mess out of it. He's given you freedom from bondage because you couldn't shake the mess that you were living in. He's given you a new outlook on life because you can now quote, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. He's given you the gift of prayer which is direct access to God's throne. He's given you the gift of hope because if in this life only you had hope, you would be of all men most miserable. But he's given you a here hope and a hereafter hope. God is a giver. Would somebody give the Lord praise in this house. Woo! Ma, he taught up Oshatai. And his mode of giving is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me. <laughs> Sanctimonious saints. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.